0: Sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists set Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass. And bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's Mm mytbr.co. This is the Get Booked podcast, sort of. And this is our semi-new reading recommendation experiment, Human versus Algorithm. We are recording on September 27th. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Vanessa Diaz. And we are coming to you from Book Riot. Vanessa, welcome back. Hello. Here I am. I know you helped kick off the experiment. And now you're back. It was only a matter of time. (laughs) it's true (laughs) it's very true so if you've not been listening along we're trying out some changes with the format of this show and uh, how it works is we are going into the get booked recommendation request form and email to find four four listener questions and then one of us picks like a personalized recommend a human recommendation for that question <laughs> and the other one researches it using some kind of book recommendation algorithm to find what the algorithm thinks is a good pick and then we talk about how that went and what we think about it and vanessa you've done regular get booked
1: yes i've done and regular. You've get done booked. this
0: yep yeah um so like what did you think how was it how did it go <laughs>
1: This is really hard. (laughs) It shouldn't be. Well, okay. It's not that it's really hard. Let me, it's funny because having done Get Booked, which is um, obviously a more robust and that like you're, you know, doing recommendations for everybody, so you know, that's obviously, I guess, a little bit more effort and work. By hard, mm-hmm. I don't mean effort so much as, as I think you've talked about with, I know for sure on the Erica episode, it's really hard to completely let the algorithm do the yeah. work for you. And that was the part that I struggled with. So again, not hard as in like, this was difficult for me. Um, but it was like, okay, no, just go go with what go with what the algorithm said. Like, don't do too much researching or, like, too much whittling out. But right. then I still wanted right. to, to some extent, because there's a person on the other end of this question that, like, wants a recommendation. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was the, the one, like, kind of challenge, I guess, for me.
0: Yeah, I think we've all found that to be very true. Is that, like, oh, but the algorithm is wrong. <laughs> yeah. But it's the algorithm, so I'm supposed to. do How much fiddling can I do? Yeah, yeah. It's a that's a real, that's a real prep problem for this show, which I think is fine. Like I think that's fine. I think it's interesting, right? Like it's an yep. interesting problem to tackle. So, and so I weirdly we'll talk more kind about,
1: of. I was gonna say yeah. I ended up kind of getting lucky where like the algorithm wasn't completely wrong on mine, so that was like a nice, nice. wrinkle. Uh, so anyway, yeah, we'll get into
0: yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, we'll talk more specifics when we get them, but it is always nice when you're not, when you're like, oh, that's not a terrible. Exactly. (laughs) I don't, I don't hate that result. Uh, (laughs) The Interwebs
1: are helpful. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then they don't do a bad job. And that's, that's a nice surprise. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, right. We have some feedback. Uh, so listeners writing in, we have Andrea who says, I just listened to the latest episode where a woman wanted books about someone attending law school. I'm surprised that none of the algorithms came up with the most obvious choice, the paper chase. It's been a movie as well as a TV series, but first it was a book. I've never read the book, but I enjoyed both the movie and TV series, and it's still available as an ebook." Thank you, Andrea. And then Amanda writes in with a suggestion for a question that Danica and I really struggled with. So I appreciate this. Uh, Amanda says, I have a suggestion for the person looking for a book where a married man discovers slash explores his bisexuality. It's called Common Goal by Rachel Reed. It doesn't fit all the asks, but I think it's close. It's a romance centered around a retired hockey player who starts to date men after his retirement. He's bisexual and was previously married to a woman who I believe he's still on good terms with. Since it's the third in a series, there's also an, a nice community of mostly closeted gay hockey players that pops up occasionally. The whole series centers on male-male pairings, but I think this one comes closest to what the person was looking for. Note that there are several explicit slash open door sex scenes since that's definitely not like Heartstopper. sure not uh, thank you <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but excellent yeah
0: thank, yeah thank you amanda for for writing in with that that does sound like a good option for our question asker okay so now we will get to the questions i'm gonna read the first question and then we will do a quick break and then we will give our recommendations Uh, so the first question is from Amir who says when Netflix came out with the Netflix book club I promised my girlfriend that I will make her a gift box every month with the book like a subscription this was her birthday present now that the Netflix book club stopped giving out books for every month I am stuck choosing the books myself I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it more than I would like to admit (laughs) but I need a book for October slash Halloween that was adapted to screen TV or movie it doesn't have have to be on netflix but i would like it to be a recent adaptation a few years back or a new adaptation she would like a very scary story it can be fantasy thriller action mystery historical fiction anything as long as it's scary maybe not non please help me find the scariest book adaptation for halloween okay let us take a quick break sometimes you just need to touch grass literally and figuratively and we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists set Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Vanessa. I think everybody who listens to the show knows that my scary meter is set to very low. (laughs) What about yours? Um,
1: Well, mine's like low (laughs) 0.2. So (laughs) I was like, look at what a fantastic pair of people to have on, uh, you know, question where Mm. someone's like, please scare me. We're both like, hello, we are Wheaties 1 and 2. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So first, I would like to draw attention to the fact that I believe someone on my street has just started leaf blowing. Apologize if that's coming through because I can't control it. But um, so... I had to definitely research this. I will give the full extent that this is, I have not read this book or seen this adaptation, but I had to ask friends because, again, weenie. Uh, But I got this recommendation from more than a few people, so hopefully that means it will, you know, be good on the scary meter. And that uh, adaptation and book is The Black Phone by Joe Hill. So the adaptation apparently just came out, I think, either earlier this year or late last year. It was one of the two. And is based on actually a short story. So it's not a full book, but it is, you know, a story with enough, I think, grit to be enjoyable to read and then watch. Um, and that was published, I think, back in 2004. For anyone who doesn't know, Joe Hill is a very well-known horror writer in his own right and is also the son of someone you may have heard of named Stephen King. So horror apparently <laughs> runs through the blood. <laughs> um, the adaptation stars Jeremy Davies, uh, James Ransone, and, or Ransone, I forget how he pronounces that, and Ethan Hawke. So got a couple good names in there. Or recognizable ones, anyway. And it's about uh, the story and the adaptation are about a young boy named Finney who gets kidnapped by someone called the Grabber, who's played by Ethan Hawke, who is this child of doctor slash serial killer in the late 70s. So this is set in the 70s. Um, which already just sounded creepy as heck to me. And then I went and watched the trailer. I was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm out. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Finney is held in a soundproof basement when he's taken by said grabber. Oh. And there is this disconnected black rotary phone on the wall that the grabber tells him doesn't work. So he's like, stay away. It doesn't work. It's useless. No touchy. And then through a series of interesting events, uh, Finney finds out that the phone can be used for this very specific purpose, and it's to communicate with the Grabber's victims, like other victims of of his. And so then he begins this process of trying to work with the spirits to basically try and, and escape. So again... Je suis weenie, not have not seen it, but the trailer <laughs> enough, I was like, okay, like, and like actually, I don't know, I've, I've been scratching the itch to watch a little bit more horror by kind of like babying myself into it. This is one that as much as I checked out, you know, 30 seconds in, like, I might actually go back and try to watch it, because it sounded really interesting. And this particular type of, you know, yeah, like the child grabby thing from the days of, of yore especially just given all of the kind of urban legends that come from it some of which you know right. are rooted in truth and some are which are not it, it's just it's really interesting angle to me so I and I've been wanting to to watch and read more of, of Joe Hill and his adaptations So I've gotten again several recommendations from people who do like really scary stuff that said this is just unsettling and all kinds of scary so I hope that works for you and that is the black phone by Joe Hill
0: yeah I will not. Be checking that. <laughs> the Wheaties, no, we ride a okay. I, I tried to read one Joe Hill book one time and I think I got like forty pages and I was like, I'm out. I'm out. It's too much. Can't do it. I know. Can't do uh, it. Here we are. Um so that sounds great. Uh yeah, so I had the algorithm pick for this one, which was interesting because there is no specific book mentioned. In the question. Yeah. So I got to like, I got to meddle a little. I, I actually tried not to meddle for the record. I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do I'm going to type horror novel adaptations 2022 into Google and then see what comes up. And I can, you can replicate this on your own, probably. I kid you not, the first result that came up was a book riot post that we have about (laughs) horror adaptations. And so I was like, oh, that's convenient. So I just basically picked, like, the first book from that post. Because that's where the algorithm pointed me to. So you get the double bonus of the algorithm pointed me to a human recommending books. Um, and so my pick for you is Juon by Kai Ohishi. And this is, I mean, listen, just the cover of mm-hmm. volume one alone is enough to send me running for the hills. It is a creepy child staring at you horrifying. And uh, it is translated by Joe Swift. It is about a senior citizen outreach volunteer um, who goes to help out in a house in like this very quiet residential area, like should be all normal, right? Not so much. And the house is like haunted and violent, terrible things are happening. Um, And it sounds... I like couldn't I couldn't even bring myself to watch the trailer. I'm not gonna lie, it sounds very scary, um, and it is streaming on Netflix, so double bonus. Like it's all it's all there for you, um, and it is a relatively recent adaptation. And and I just I yeah, it looks terrifying. So you know, enjoy. <laughs> um, so again, that's Jew owned by Kai Ohishi.
1: I was trying to mute myself, but that was great. <laughs>
0: thanks thanks this is my this is my gratitude that i got the algorithm for that one
1: (laughs) this section is should just be called love that for you
0: (laughs) yeah exactly that's right (laughs) anyway Well,
1: um, I'm going to tell or I'm going to tell us I'm going to read us our next question, which is uh, thankfully a departure from the scaries for both of us. (laughs) So this question is my friend is trans and non binary and is dealing with parents who like to say they're supportive, but continue to dead name and misgender their child and then complain when my friend asks them to do better. I've been asked to help the parents understand how to do better since they seem unwilling to listen to their own child. I've known the family for ages, so I do feel okay doing so and have some good resources of my own. But I was wondering if you know of any books geared towards helping people be better allies to trans and NB folks. Anything would be great, but I'm thinking nonfiction or a memoir would teach or reach them best. Signed, Alexis. Sheher. her. All right, Jen, what did you come up with as the human?
0: yes 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 so I I mean I'm just so sorry for your friend Alexis first of all that's yeah. really frustrating and rough um I am a, I'm giving them a book that I recently picked up actually as like something both for myself but to have on hand as a potential resource for um people who are struggling you know, struggling to do the support thing. And I feel like it's really solid. It's Seeing Gender, an Illustrated Guide to Identity and Expression by Iris Gottlieb. And so it's uh it's really first of all, this is a beautiful book. It's it is literally illustrated. It's not a graphic novel in that there's not like panels of stories going on, um, or graphic nonfiction, rather, it's not a novel. It's nonfiction. Um But it is, like, beautiful full-page illustrations that are paired with text. And it is organized such that it would be helpful for um, anybody who is trying to, like, get more language for themselves about how they're feeling in their bodies. Or, you know, it is, uh, I think, also very useful for people who want to Uh, understand others better and, like, make the right choices in, you know, respecting pronouns and learning to, like, un-internalize all of these gender norms that we were taught as children, because that's the thing that I really am still working on. I just, I, you know, my brain wants to still fall back on these old rules that I was taught about, like, when somebody's wearing this or when somebody has this feature, it means X gender. And, like, that's just not, Necessary or true. And so I think the visuals can be really helpful for that because Gottlieb includes like, you know, here's a here's a full two page spread of a bunch of people who look super different. All of them identify as non-binary. Like you can literally train your eyeballs to start seeing gender differently. Um, And I think that's super valuable. And there's fun like facts about biology in there or historical expressions of gender. And it really, I think, breaks down all of these, again, like internalized norms that we've been taught that like, oh, no, this is how gender works. It's like, no, no, it hasn't. It is fluid. It's a universe of expression. And there have been lots of different ways of people expressing gender throughout history, and it's not anything to do with biology. So I I think it has good information. It's really well put together. It's beautiful, and it's very accessible. Um, So again, that's Seeing Gender by Iris Gottlieb.
1: Okay, so for me, the algorithm, I was trying to switch it up and maybe use a different thing every time, <laughs> sort of. And um, I ended up going for Goodreads on this round. And I was trying to figure out how best to approach it because again, there's not like a specific book competence. This is, you know, just asking for resources. So I've kind of played around with what to look for. I remember looking up, I think, gender identity and then transgender studies or like gender. So this is the part where I again confess that I, I could have maybe just stopped at the first and like picked the top book, but it just I was trying to get a little bit specific if I could. I ended up landing on the transgender studies one seemed like it had some of the more relevant picks. And I will fully disclose that I I skipped over the ones that were more like really thick histories of what it's like to be trans per se and looking for Mm. something that was more of a, again, like that could be a resource. And I ended up with a pick that I actually really like. And that is Beyond the Gender Binary by Alok Vaid Menon. This is kind of the opposite, maybe, if you're picking that it's super, super short. It's actually part of a, a, a series called the, I think, Pocket, oh my gosh, Pocket, Pocket Change oh, Collective. Yeah. Yes, And yes. they're these, you know, little bite-sized books with, you know, big ideas from activists and artists. And so this is one of them. I think it's like the fifth in the series. And so Alok is a gender non-conforming comedian, poet, author. They are one of the most so eloquent and articulate are often a word I want to say that are used to describe people of color in like an offensive way and I myself have been the subject of that that's not how I mean this they just have this absolutely phenomenal way with words and in getting like difficult subjects I think to like a really digestible form which is really quite useful in this particular book where they are trying to get folks to again move beyond the gender binary and say like look this it can really be this simple And it, it, again, I think this is going to be good for the allyship angle. It's also really illustrated. It's not like super academic. It's just sort of challenges readers to like, again, look beyond the binary and to understand that gender is quite literally a thing that you know, we've been ingrained, as Jen talked about earlier, to see in these very black and white terms, and it doesn't need to be that way. That it can be the most pure and wide open form of expression available to you if you choose to embrace it that way. And because it is, you know, this pocket size, I think it makes it uniquely, I get it, really digestible and might be good for like the p- parents of your friend, who again, I, I super apologize <laughs> that your friend is going through that because that is just the worst. Um, It might help to see something that is a combination of illustrated, really beautiful, really beautifully put, Mm. but that's also, again, kind of like easy to do in like one sitting sort of thing as in like, look, it really can be this simple if you want it to be. Um, and again, you can look up Alok if you want to provide them with other resources. There's tons. I mean, Alok does, is like a speaker, so they have all kinds of series online from TED Talks, just really awesome interviews. And I swear, every like third sentence of theirs is a thing that I end up wanting to write down because it's just so impactful <laughs> and like big. Um, but again, to convey what I think should be and hopefully someday are more simple concepts that you know we we don't have to complicate. Um, So, yeah, I really actually enjoyed this pick. (laughs) So that's, again, Beyond the Gender Binary by Alok Vaid Menon.
0: All right. Let's see. Our next pi- uh, question. Our next question <laughs> is from Jamie, who says, "I loved the hike. I found it to be a very unique experience that combined horror with mystery and adventure and fantasy and deep weirdness. I loved it, but I haven't been able to find anything that hits quite the same way. I wonder if you can help, uh, Vanessa. This is you are the human." I am a human.
1: Um, so this one was like one that I did definitely find challenging in that I was like, okay, so how do I, yeah, that's, it's just such an awesome list of traits. That's like, how do you, yeah, how do you find a book that like necessarily embodies all those things? I obviously, you know, kept the, the book that you mentioned in mind. And I, the first thing that came to my mind is ultimately the one that I just stuck with because it is to me a combination of all those things, you know, horror, mystery, adventure, fantasy, very deeply weird. And that's Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. It almost feels like a cheat to use this. Um, so Gideon the Ninth is the first in the Locked Tomb series and like lesbian necromancer space opera is just, it's, it's what you need to know. Like it's just so much fun. And I, I, it's hard to distill this book into like a small description or the series, but. So, there's a whole, like, literal, you know, was a Dramatis Personae in the beginning of the book so that you can get to know all of the many characters you're going to meet. There are then <laughs> these nine houses and, you know, it's going to take you a bit. Like, I had to go through and look at that several times when I first started this book to, like, remember who everybody was. Um, Gideon got to this ninth house uh, and as, as an orphan, basically, has kind of been taken in. And I use all the air quotes here by the ninth because she's essentially kind of an indentured servant. And... In You know, there's this giant emperor that like lords over all of the houses, and he has summoned contestants and their like, cavaliers from all these houses to go compete for this place as his immortal side, which to me actually sounds like a punishment, but sure. And so Gideon doesn't want to attend, but through this interesting series of events that happened at the beginning, she's essentially strong-armed into doing so by... Harold hark of the ninth house she chooses her as her cavalier so now gideon has to like go compete against her will and it is just it's snarky it's so snarky it's really funny and i i, I think i ended up kind of honing in on the book because of the mixture uh when i looked up the hike of all the things you asked for plus like lots of humor and cursing yeah. and there's all of that in gideon <laughs> like all of that <laughs> um it's you know there's they're exploring there's a haunted gothic space palace like again the snark is there the humor there is a mystery that you're kind of like getting at and it is like again creepy in other way. i, I, I just i find it such a great and it was actually a series that i ended up picking up because i told jen one day that i needed Something that was just going to shake me and make me throw the book at the wall. She was like, oh, then duh, Gideon. And (laughs) she was not wrong. (laughs) So I cannot wait to read the rest of the books in the series because I'm very behind in book riot, you know, speak on this series that everyone loves. But I I think that might fit the bill for you. So give it a try. And that's uh, Gideon the Ninth by Tamzin Muir.
0: Yeah, I'll go sign that. I am caught up with this series and all I can tell you is that you are not going to want to stop throwing the book at the wall.
1: Excellent. Look, I've been wanting that, so that's fine.
0: (laughs) So wild. Such a ride. I have more questions now than I did when I started out three books (laughs) in, which is saying something. So good times. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually, you know, Vanessa, you honed in on something that I feel like the algorithm could not quite account for. So, you know, The Hike uh, by Drew Gary. yes. It's like, you know, all of the things that Jamie said, you know, horror, mystery, adventure, fantasy, deep weirdness, and funny. And m- the algorithm that I use, I use Storygraph. I love Storygraph. Um, and I limited myself to the first page of results. I did not let myself get too far down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. here. And I... The, the closest, none of them were funny. Like, none of them were that kind of funny. Like, that kind of, like, almost mm. like Terry Pratchett-y yes. kind of funny. So I'm really glad that you went with you know Gideon which is hysterical um in addition to having all of those other elements because my pick is not funny it has everything else though it has everything else it's just not funny um (laughs) and so the algorithm pick is an annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer which is the weirdest I mean it's so freaking weird um It's very strange. It takes place in an area of the Everglades in Florida Florida, that has been dubbed like Area X. And scientists are trying to study it because it has like randomly sort of become this region where... It's, you know, sort of cut off from the rest of the continent, and nature is doing things there that are not normal. And uh, every time an expedition gets sent, horrible things happen. To the people who get sent in, like, pretty much all of them die of various things. And uh, we are in the head of a um, biologist who is being sent out on another expedition uh, with three other women um, who are different kinds of science scientists uh, to try to, like bring back useful information and not meet the same fate as the other expeditions. It is so creepy, so strange, so, like, just, like, head scratchy, like, what is going on? Um... And it is not easily categorized as a genre. Like, there's some mystery as to, like, you know, is the scientific body that's sending these expeditions in actually being honest with the scientists they're sending in? Um, There is adventure. There is, like, fantastical stuff. There is deep, deep weirdness. Uh, So if you are okay with skipping, you know, the funny parts, um, this is actually not a bad recommendation from the algorithm. So, again, that's Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer.
1: King of weird, for sure.
0: King of weird. Just like super, (laughs) super freaking weird. Um, All right. Let's take our second sponsor break. And we're back. Vanessa, what do we have next?
1: All right, next question here. This one's from Emily. And Emily says, Hey or hi. Lately, I've been really into stories about male female relationships and friendships with long histories and backstory. Some books I've enjoyed that have had this are Every Summer After, We Were Liars, If We Were Us, Ask Again, Yes, and Girl at War. In all of these books, we get a lot of backstory and often get multiple chapters on the past. These all span different genres, so I'm open to anything just looking to dive into a fascinating years old dynamic between two people. Thanks. All right, human, what you got?
0: (laughs) So I am delighted by this question, and I knew immediately which book I wanted to recommend. It's A Lot Like Adios by Alexis Daria, which is a romance, and the two leads were childhood best friends who had, like, a falling out. Um, Gabe is the dude he, like left sort of dramatically at 18 um they grew up in the bronx he left dramatically to go to school like far far away and like didn't really offer michelle who's his best friend our our heroine like an explanation like just sort of like up and left and like left her hanging and she was like what the hell um and now it, and but they had like they were working together on this like fanfic like you get these chapters of them in the past like teenage them and like what their feelings were about each other what they like their nerdy like hobbies were like it's so well it's so well established their backstory. Um, and then you get them in the present day um, where they're each like dealing with career stuff and family stuff lots of very demanding intense family you know expectations and um, they end up getting getting reunited uh, and have to work together and everything sort of comes to a head. And I just love the way that you see this relationship, you know, in its like older, you know, the the history, the current and like all of the tension and conflict feels very earned. Like sometimes in romance, I'm like, eh, if you had just had a conversation like this would have been fine. But like the reason that they are at odds is because the thing that happened was when they were teenagers, when you do not know how to have a conversation about things. So it feels very earned and like very real world. Um, And I just love the way that that the relationship is explored in this book it's also very steamy fyi uh so again that's a lot like adios by alexis daria i love that book so much it's so
1: good i love it i love their backstory i love their banter especially when they're like not getting along that's <laughs> great yes <laughs> very very authentic at least it feels that way to me <laughs> Okay, so I did Algorithm. So this is one where I, I actually did Storygraph and also a little bit of Goodreads. And it's funny that they all recommended the same thing as the top oh. book. Um, and at first, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. And this is, again, where I was like, I don't know if this feels like the books that Emily is asking for. And then it's funny, I because I, I was kind of going, you know, you she did give several examples, or they gave, they gave several examples. And then I got Mm -hmm. to the last one. So, again, some of the comps were like, we were liars. Um, If we were asked, ask again, yes. And so when I was looking up those titles and got the title I'm about to say, I was like, huh? And then one of the last ones they mentioned is Girl at War. I'm like, oh, actually, this book might be the perfect pick, like, balance of everything (laughs) you're looking for. Um, And that's The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini. So this is a bit of an OG book it's you know been around for a bit so hopefully you haven't read it but it it does on further reflection again kind of combine all of the things that you asked for and that there is this really lush beautiful like story between actually more than one character but there are two characters that I think it focuses on a little bit more you get lots of chapters in the past it actually flips back and forth like it starts in present day and then flips to to the past itself during when that you know they were kids Um, it's got the war as a backdrop and there's just a lot that I think it combines from the books that you asked for so um, the main character is Amir, who is a Sunni Muslim, and he is struggling to find his place in the world because of a pretty traumatic childhood for, you know, war-related reasons. Um, so, again, it opens in present day in the U.S., and then it flashes back to, to give some context for those, you know, traumatic childhood events. Um, and so that takes us back to 1970s Afghanistan. And so when he's 12 years old, he is desperate to win this local kite-like um, tournament. And his best friend is Hassan. He promises to help him win it. Hassan is actually the son of a servant in Amir's family's household, but the lines between the families are a little bit blurred and that they often feel more like family and or friends than this you know employer uh, employee dynamic. but of course not, neither of the boys can foresee what's going to happen to them and to specifically to one to Hassan that afternoon. and so the Russians invade. The family, Amir's family, is forced to flee back to America. And so the chapters that we get, again, are kind of like a flashback between the two. And then Amir eventually realizing that he needs to return to Afghanistan under Taliban rule um, to hopefully kind of make sense of some of the, the questions that he has and the things that he left behind and all the ways in which you know his life was changed. It's been a long time since I read this. But uh, the more I thought about it, again, there are there actually there are several relationships, definitely the one between Amir and Hassan, but also through some of the others that are really complex and that have lots of beautiful detail that is really lushly kind of built up in those flashback chapters. It's a heart wrenching read. It's a moving read. And I, so, yeah, I really do think that in this case, the algorithm kind of came through with something that gives you all of that friendship and also some of the other dynamics that are present in the, the books that you you asked for comps for. So yeah, I think this actually, again, works really well. That's The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini.
0: All right. So those are our questiony picks. Now we get to do just our favorite two books currently that we think people should read and why. Uh, I'm going to start. I just finished this memoir and I loved it so much. It's My Broken Language by Kiara Alegria Hudes. And this is actually the like one Philly read, um, which was cool because it meant I didn't have mm. to wait for it on library hold. Yep. And it takes place largely in Philly, so, like, you know, appropriate. And, oh my gosh, it's so good. Uh, Kiara is a, like, you know, she kind of famous, if you weren't aware, like, has won a Pulitzer Prize, Um, but is uh, from this very big Puerto Rican family that uh, lives in Philly, and she takes us through her childhood um, in and around the different neighborhoods of Philadelphia and what it was like, you know, to grow up um, with a Puerto Rican mother and a white dad, like what her family life was like, what how she felt, you know, moving in between these different worlds because she is very light-skinned and so people would, you know, sometimes treat her differently than uh, her other family members or her mother, for example. And it's so full of family and music and dance and, you know, uh, religion and philosophy and art. And it's just like, got, it's got so much. It's got so much. It's so... Oh, like I just couldn't stop reading it it's so absorbing it's so absorbing it was my bedtime book and it was just like somehow perfect for that I really even though like you know tough stuff happens in this book Um, speaking of which some content warnings for you Uh, animal death on the page there are also mentions of disordered eating child abuse and addiction um, there are a lot of things that the family goes through that are a product of you know being in underserved communities and underserved areas um, and 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 you know Hides is just again like whew, such a good storyteller it's it's a real it's a real amazing book so highly highly recommend. That sounds amazing. I should add that one to my oh, list. It's so good. I, it's so good.
1: I love when we show up to these shows and then end up giving recommendations to one another. Yes. It is great. <laughs> <laughs> it is a nice side effect. Um, yes. I am also like over the moon passionate over this next pick I got to talk about it on all the books recently but I'm just going to keep shoving it into people's hands this is especially fantastic if you are an audiobook person and that is how not to drown in a glass of water by Angie Cruz. So this book is another – it's super short. If you are an audiobook listener, I, you know, I'm uh, one of those I, – I speed things up. Which honestly feels like it was the right way to listen to this because the main character is Dominican and, like, you know, we Latinos love to speed up when we talk. And so it honestly <laughs> felt like, no, this is how this would sound. <laughs> so, um, so if you did it in print, I, it's definitely, I think, less than 300 pages, but – the f- title itself is in reference to... There's a Spanish phrase that we say, like, to desahogar, which means, like, to... It's It really technically translates, I guess, to undrown, but it's what you say when you are, uh, like, unloading on people. Like, oh, I just need to, like, get this off my chest. But then that actual mm. phrase is also, like, an idiom that means, like, uh, kind of, like, don't make a, m- like a mountain out of a molehill. Like, don't drown in a glass of water. Mm. And the structure of this is so fantastic. So our main character... Is a woman in her oh my gosh I'm I'm blanking on this part 60s I think and it's right at the time of the recession and you know like 2007 eight ish they've been she's been working in a factory for a, you know decades when that factory ups closes its doors and like relocates the thing to like Costa Rica so she suddenly finds herself unemployed for the first time in that entire time she it does have you know authorization to work in the U S but has not like finished her documentation and so the way that the story is told is that. It's a series of, I think, 10 ish, I could be wrong there, but 10 ish uh, unemployment interviews, like where she goes to the agency to like try to find a job and they do the interviews to like see, you know, where you're at and like what, you know, jobs you've applied for, what you're looking for. So it's her, but it's, it's one sided. It's basically her, for the most part, talking to this unemployment counselor about her life. And of course, it's supposed to be very, you know, work related words, like, what jobs have you looked for? What do you what are you looking for? And like, what areas and it somehow turns into, you know, it's it's very like tangential runoff. And she just goes off on these bits about, you know, it's, it's initially like, yeah, I want to work here. And the reason is because La Doña so and so from the city and this is this, this and we had some cafecito and then she kind of goes off and through these <laughs> vignettes, though, you get to see you, you get to know her. You get to know her past. So, you know, she grew up, you know, in La República Dominicana, how she moved over to the United States, why she did, you know, the her relationship with her ex-husband, with her son, who we know from the beginning that she's estranged from, but we get to know over time, like, the really heartbreaking reasons why that is. And then we see the part that i love so much about this and i feel like i'm going on too much and i swear i'm going to stop but is that she is so complex and at times you will see her making these really terrible decisions but it's this beautiful examination of like all of us containing multitudes and a really beautiful mm. light on like the Amer- uh, like immigrant experience and how generational trauma and just so much informs like the way we each move through the world and also the in- invisible work that people like this do in their communities that like maybe doesn't mm. look like a marketable skill on paper. So I just said a whole lot about a book that's not even one of the <laughs> questions. So again, I will stop, but it is so good and I need y'all to read it. And that's how not to drown in a glass of water by Angie Cruz.
0: Did you want to give the content warning? Oh, yes, uh, because I wrote them down and I was like, I'm
1: just going to stop talking. (laughs) Um, So, yes, uh, there are content warnings for this. Um, There is homophobia, partner abuse and some other violence. It is not graphic, but it is described in just to some detail. So it's there.
0: And now I'm done. All right. Uh, so my next book is a novel that I found out it, after I read it that it won the Booker Prize. Yeah. And this is one of those times where, yeah, you're like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I, so here's what happened. At some point in my life, I put this on hold in at the library and then forgot about it. And like a couple weeks ago, you know, you get the notification uh, yes. like, this is ready for borrowing. And I'm like... What is this book? Why did I put it on old? I guess I'll read it anyway. Um, <laughs> and so the book is Celestial Bodies by Jocha Alharti. And it is, y'all, like, yes, prize winner. Mm-hmm. It's real, real good. It is uh, under 300 pages. Oh, it's translated by Marilyn Booth. And I think this is the first book book, or one of the very few books I've ever read that was set in Oman, Uh, that's not a setting that I think I have... Had much exposure to, and this novel is just—it's a family story. Um, you are hopping narrators quite a bit. Uh, we have three sisters, um, all of whom are in different—you know—life places and stages. Um, and then we have uh, Abdallah, who is uh, married to one of the sisters, and he is like on a plane traveling somewhere, like thinking back about his life and you have again like you're you're having narrators quite a bit and they all sort of weave together in that beautiful like sprawling family story kind of way um the the struggles the trials the tribulations the joys but honestly mostly the struggles of this family in Modern and recent times in Oman. And the author, I like did a little digging around. The author talks about how, you know, she really wanted to talk about things that are taboo um, and are not talked about, which includes, you know, slavery. Like modern slavery is a thing that exists um, and that is a huge part of this book. Um, Intimate partner violence, obviously, like, you know, the um, gender roles and norms are still in a place, i don't know how else to like you know, you know what i mean. Uh there's like it's complicated and you know, arranged marriages are a thing. There's like a lot of you know, repression of women in particular. Um there is a like homophobia. There's all kinds of issues uh that these folks are dealing with especially because they are living in a small village in a rural area. Um so perhaps not as like, you know, they're not experiencing modern pop culture in the way that some folks might who like emigrated to Canada or you know are living in the main city which we also get narratives from and it is oh it's just so good um it's you know it has rough moments but I think it's totally worth it and if especially if you are a fan of these multi-POV family stories which like we've had so many good ones of like this is absolutely one that needs to go on your list um it's beautifully translated beautifully written highly recommend so so, uh, yeah, I'll give those co- content warnings again. Um, there's child abuse, slavery, child death, and intimate partner violence. Uh, but again, that's Celestial Bodies by Joka Alharti. So good.
1: I just remember when that one won the award and I was trying to put it in a bunch of people's hands. And then I, too, like, remember putting it on hold and it took four. Like, I could have just bought it because yes. I worked, I think, at the bookstore, right. but I was like, you know, trying to keep things under budget and
0: put it on hold. And, like, yes. a year
1: later, <laughs> I think it came yes. in and I, the hold lapsed and I just haven't gotten back to it.
0: <laughs> Oh, that's I mean that's why I, I was like well I I put it on hold for a reason and yeah. if I don't read it right now I'm never going to get it back.
1: So. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> All right. <sighs> My next one is much more lighthearted. It's a book that I read several years ago, but I, I found myself like rereading it because it's that type of year and it's so predictable. And that's Witches of New York by Amy <laughs> McKay, uh, which Jen also recommended to me many years ago. Yeah,
0: I was just going to say this book. Yeah, yes.
1: this is the Jen recommendation show. Um, <laughs> it is everything that I lo- like everyone. I mean, liking witches is not like a unique thing around these parts but like i am a very very witchy person in my reading and and in life a little bit and this one combines my love of historical fiction historical fiction witches and tea like and how often does that yes. happen so the book opens with this um young woman named beatrice dunn is responding to this strange ad in gilded age new york and the ad says like i think respectable lady seeks dependable uh shop person shop girl uh, any those averse to magic need not apply. I think I still somewhat know that by heart. <laughs> and um, yeah. so she's not you know sure what to expect, but she shows up to you know interview for this this position, and she meets these two women named Adelaide and Eleanor, who are the owners of this tea shop called Tea and Sympathy, and it's just awesome. Um, she finds you know they they deal in in things. They you know wake make. Potions and concoctions, but also you know, do tea leaves, and it's 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 witchy. It, plus, the added again, um, it's set in Gilded Age New York, so they are women attempting to live on their own terms, who also though are the victims as the book unfolds of some you know just hateful men on a witch hunt sort of thing. So the co- content warnings for this, I can't remember them specifically, but I do remember there being like witch hunt related violence i want to say there is like a somewhat of a torture scene it was never too graphic because that's a thing for me like Mm -hmm. i'm not a graphic violence reader um but I am just so enamored with the book. The second one is another one that I have tried to read, and the hold has lapsed at the library. So I'm going to do it as soon as I finish <laughs> this reread. But it's just magical. And again, like really feminist. And it's got that cool like setting. And it's just, it kind of like, if you like practical magic, it has some of those vibes as far as like a woman mm. opening a shop with like an apothecary vibes, but also, you know, people that hate women. Uh, it's it's such a great book. I love it. It's so magical. So yeah, Witches of New York by Amy McKay.
0: And I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a real fun one. So that, fun. Especially for this time of year. Yes. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, that, that was our show. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for folks who sent in feedback. Please feel free to send in your own feedback if you would like to. Get booked at bookriot.com. For more recommendations, you can check out bookriot.com. All made by a human, we promise. Um, You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Uh, As always, if you are inclined to leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, wherever, we super appreciate it. Um, We also appreciate our sponsors. And Vanessa, where can people find you?
1: I'm mostly on the gram these days at Buenos Dias SD which is B-U-E-N-O-S-D-I-A-Z-S-D
0: and also all the books sometimes yes I you know I can book riot (laughs) yes (laughs) I should maybe mention
1: the things I do for this (laughs) site yes all the books all the backlist and you know generally having my hands in all things book riot
0: (laughs) indeed indeed Uh, right and you can find me also on the SFF yeah podcast and I am on where am I Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL J-E-N-N-I-R-L or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL and we will talk to you next time bye bye